Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Alex. And this week, joining us in the studio, we have Wendy Ray. She is a funeral director for Koru Cremation. And she's light of heart and warm of spirit and full of smiles. And I tell you, that's not really what I expect from a funeral director. So I'm kind of <laughs> excited to have her sitting here because I know that Wendy is also at work changing the narrative around what what does death uh, need to look like for families that are grieving and so the experience that that we're all going through and I'm just even going to stop talking about it because this is not my field all I know is she's changing things and I'm excited to have her here we've actually been looking at having Wendy come on the air for quite a while and today it just worked so we're happy that you're joining us today Wendy thank you thanks for having me <laughs> so let's start tell us I mean it's not um doesn't tend to be like the career path that a lot of people might be thinking of for themselves so how did you get connected with this I just knew that I needed to have a career that had feeling. Mm. And I didn't think that I would be good on the living side of pain, you know, being a nurse or something dealing with physical mm. pain. But I wanted to do something that really was meaningful and could be helpful and of, of value to, to families. And I wanted to do something that you could have a personal connection and make a difference. It definitely does cover those those bases. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and it's like what's the certainties of life, death and taxes, right? Right. <laughs> we are all going to have to deal with it because we're all going to die, but we're also all going to have people around us die. Yes. You can't avoid it. Right. It's it, And it's one of those areas that is one of our no-go zones in life, right? We're not comfortable with um, with sex and death, among other mm. things, right? They're the We have huge numbers of euphemisms around yes. death and dying. Um, you came, you didn't, this was not your first career path. No. So get, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of how you wended your way to this. And, and, and I'm really curious to know how those other things that you did kind of prepared you for this and kind of fed into it. Yeah. I feel like I didn't start out knowing what type of career even that I wanted to after high school. And it was hard to do that at such a young age. And I went to university and took a general arts degree and felt like after that was over, I would know what I wanted to do. And I still didn't. So I went and did a business administration diploma that also was about the automotive industry because my parents had a car dealership. So that's what I did after seven years of school of trying to figure out what I wanted to wanted to do as far as a career. And I really did like it in the connection with people. But there's just that level that you can't get to when you're selling cars or working in that that type of profession. But People are vulnerable in situations surrounding death and need somebody that is compassionate and also can look after the 
practical parts that are a bit less feeling. Right. So being able to combine those two, and that's, you know, how I did wend my way (laughs) to this um, from all of those different things. I do like being an entrepreneur as well and, and owning a business, and I like doing all of the parts and being responsible for that and also being the contact person for people because it's so hard that if you can make it just slightly easier or slightly more feeling than it might otherwise have been that's so when we were on our way to the studio today we passed a funeral home Mm -hmm. and i said funny about that there's a (laughs) funeral home that's that's the bricks and mortar end of this process of the Mm -hmm. death and dying and dealing with it um but you're not the bricks and mortar person well i am in that i have an office and people can come yeah. in and visit me in yeah. Yeah. in the office. But we don't have a chapel associated no. with the funeral home. And so it leaves us open to be able to help families plan events all over. Hmm. And we only do as much or as little as they need. So a lot of times it's more meaningful for a family to put together their DVD of their loved one's life, let's say. Mm-hmm. So... For us, it's more what do they need. If they need us to do that, that's the service we can do. But if they can do that on their own and save the money, but also the feeling of putting the pictures of your loved one together, that's where the, you that's know, that's kind of interesting. Because because you've kept it simple on your side, there is an automatic space that's created where you're not seeking to fill the space that you've got with something that you've already like some kind of a format or something that you're comfortable with or sometimes you know your approach Mm -hmm. that it's a very purposefully deconstructed thing where people can be like oh well okay since i'm not plugging into a space that already exists i get to actually think i get to decide i I get to come from my own feelings and as our family and friends our own needs right who what kind of clients do you because i mean of course we're dealing with something, as, as Lucas said, death and taxes. So this is something that everybody is going to go through at some point. Therefore, you're going to deal with the full spectrum of humanity and personalities and characters and belief systems and desired forms of honoring their loved ones. Who do you find tend to be the kinds of people that connect best with what you're offering? A lot. Most of the time, it's people that do want something simple and, but also straightforward and clear. So we have everything laid out on our website as much as we can. Someone can go on and see what the prices are, just so they know. Mm-hmm. Because these are questions that you don't necessarily want to call everybody to ask. So we have people calling who've already done some research and know those things about us, and then. When they call, I feel like we make a connection or we don't, and they right. and they know right. in their heart, you know, whether wh- whether it's the right connection. And I say to people, if you want to come in and meet me, you can. Mm. And if you don't decide to come here, there'll be no hard mm-hmm. feelings, and I'm not going to phone you. You know, mm-hmm. just come in and gather information and see if I'm the person that you want to look after this process for you. This is such an interesting and a different vibe Mm -hmm. from what I, you know, having grown up and what society kind of gives me as the 
because uh, I haven't had a whole lot of experience, of course, with arranging anything like this. I've been to multiple funerals for close or far away family members, but the I the the I'm going to say the stereotype that I have. And I can see you smiling. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of stereotypes that you must be fighting against is around. And it's funny that car sales was in your past, too, because it's like, you know, the, <laughs> it feels the funerals, like that. Yeah. The idea of like, I'm going to sell you the things that I have. And my job is even though uh, maybe I have a nice veneer, um, the charismatic veneer, uh, my goal is actually to, you know, sell the higher package. I'm not sensing any of that for you. I mean, of course, we probably wouldn't even be having you on the air if we'd sense <laughs> right. that about you. Yeah. But but for real, like what I'm hearing from you is an orientation of um, people will feel me. And if they like me, then we'll we'll work together. And also the transparency of the price is already there. So you can, mm-hmm. ha- you can already choose rather than having to talk someone into whatever this might look like. Yeah. So there's a transparency. There's a a knowledge that this is about a visceral connection or a lack thereof rather than just we want to you know do this flashy thing to like and putting putting you know guilt or shame on it like if you really want to honor your person Mm -hmm. yeah i mean those words haven't even looked like they've come anywhere near you i (laughs) feel like i'm always saying to people there's no right or wrong because Mm -hmm. if i'm showing something that they may want or may not people assume I'm showing them because I think that's the right thing for them. But mm-hmm. I'm really just showing them everything I can mm. so that they know all the To the give options. them some ideas. Yeah. Right? So then somebody yeah. might say, well, we thought of this, but, you know, is that too weird? Mm. Well, yeah. within everything, I mean, as, unless it's illegal, it's really what you feel mm-hmm. yourself yeah. is right for your How person. often are you dealing with the person who's going to die? Um, planning this with their family for after they've gone and how often are you dealing with the people who are left behind who come to you after before or after the Mm -hmm. fact usually it's after and people are coming because somebody has died Mm -hmm. but i've had also a lot of people come in with their son or daughter even people, you know, they're visiting from Europe or, you know, the United States and they're just here with their mom or dad and they'll bring them in and, and we'll just talk. And then I give them everything they need to take away. And then I've had the parent come back in and do, every, you know, prearrange everything or at least just write it all out mm-hmm. and they feel more comfortable because mm-hmm. their son initial. or daughter was with them. Right. They feel comfortable with who they'll ultimately be right. dealing with. Yeah. And that puts the parent at ease, prob- yeah. the child at ease. It puts mm-hmm. me at ease a bit, although yeah. it's sad when the time comes right. because yeah. sometimes yeah. people are sick and then, you know, when they do die, you've gotten to know them. Mm-hmm. But I think that's better for everybody on a connection level. Mm-hmm. At what point do you deal with the uh, burn them or bury them kind of I mean that sounds a little glib, but mm-hmm. but really that's we're looking at you know w- at what in what way do you deal with the physical remains of someone when they have died? Um, so a lot of times when people call, they'll say I'm looking at cremation or I'm looking mm-hmm. for burial or I'm looking for green burial, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't come up, I usually just say you know about the person that has died. Did your dad ever? talk to you about whether he wanted to be buried or cremated. Mm -hmm. 
that probably is the hardest for people when nothing has been talked about mm-hmm. ahead. Because if you have a sense of what they would at least want in something that big, mm-hmm. right. it makes you feel more comfortable. But if you have no idea, you're really guessing. And to some people, it's a big a big deal <laughs> one way or another. So it's, And this kind of brings us to where we have some some really evident feelings in our current world or society here is that we don't have these conversations with our loved ones it doesn't feel comfortable it's not something we want to think about and so it's like we are in a uh, we're in avoidance mode over a lot of these things and so we can end up after how much time have we spent with this person that we could have no idea mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to speak to that a little bit, just about what you've noticed as, like, the gaps that we have in society? Parents say oftentimes that their children don't want to talk about this, and then children say that their parents don't want to talk about this. And I think everyone just assumes that nobody wants to talk about it. And I feel like if there were more direct questions, like, Mom, do you want to be cremated or... You know, we went to that plot, Grandma's plot, ages ago. Is that still where you want to be buried? Or, you know, do you want us to see you after you die? That is one that people have a strong mm-hmm. feeling about. Yeah. So that gets things, get thing, gets things started. But it's just people are not used to following their own gut and intuition about things around death, around parenting. All of those are coming together. I think natural parenting, natural birth, all of that is maybe ahead of where natural death care and more families being involved in what happens intimately mm. is behind. Yeah. But I, I think it's all happening. I mean... The fact that there's death cafes and people come and just So can talk. you say a little bit about what a death cafe is? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a concept that was created by a gentleman in England, and the idea was to get together to talk about death, but it's not a grief support group or anything that's prescribed. It's just get together, drink tea or coffee, and eat cake, and talk about death. So I've actually only been to one... And there was such a variety of people, and it was really neat. And there, the conversation went everywhere, it seemed. Yeah. Because there were people from 20 to 80, and people came in with questions. So that was neat. I mean, it's not, it's a bit of a subculture still, people that are going to this sort of thing. It's not, I would say, out there, but I think it will be more. Um, SFU had a end of life expo last year, where people went that. and talked about different parts of of death care. And there was um, a doctor talking about medical assistance in death, and mm-hmm. funeral providers, memorial society, end of life doulas. So yeah, it, it, have you noticed that there's a cultural? Um, difference around this like are some cultures better with it like i'm thinking about in in mexico when they have the um around how our halloween mm-hmm. when they have all the the um, candy skulls and sugar skulls yes. or whatever they call them that it, like are there some cultures who are more adept at at dealing with this than other cultures are i would say most cultures are better than 
than us. Nor- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably well, so the summary. But in a way, that's comforting because there are that, that means there are cultures in the world we could learn from. Yes. Yeah, yes, right? pretty much anywhere like that. Yes. We're at the bottom of this list. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not everybody, but I would mm-hmm. say as a What is it that makes our culture so... How have we ended up here? Because we weren't there. I mean, even 100 or 200 years ago, I feel like there was a much more... Ca- I want to say casual infrastructure in the sense that it was more held by everyone it was mm-hmm. much more accessible well the body uh, when the person died the body was in the house it was in the front yeah. parlor right you yeah. you washed and dressed the body yourself everybody came in and said goodbye to them it was a very different way of dealing with it mm-hmm. and seemed to change a lot once we started to have funeral homes and funeral probably parlors. coming away from having the same type of community too, where you would yeah. have a community that everybody had some roles that they always fell into, and yeah. there were people there that could do those things. Now, and we were more aware of the ritual in, yeah. yeah, yeah, and more in tune with. So I have the sense as you speaking that there's a lot of what you're doing that is educational, that is informational. Mm-hmm. It's helping people to have enough information to be able to make a choice. Um, where Because where else would they get it necessarily? I'm not even sure that most people would know w- where to go to start. I mean, you could start with your local library, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, but that's not necessarily a place that everybody feels comfortable. Yeah, and sometimes the education isn't coming until the point where somebody is sick enough that they're going into palliative care and they're calling and talking and we we say things like, you don't have to rush, mm-hmm. you know, when the person dies, if mm-hmm. you feel like you want to spend more time or you want to be the person to dress them, you know, take the time mm-hmm. and if you talk to the place where you are, they'll usually give you give you time to do those things and respect that. But people feel rushed. They I don't even like think we even to call realize right that that's a thing that's okay. No. Yeah. 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 We, well, we I mean, let's, even let's give ourselves that. permission to do it. Let, let's yeah. say that explicitly on air for anybody listening. Like, this is, this is a really, this is, feels valuable and important to me. Like, it's okay if someone passes away in your family to take time. You don't mm-hmm. have to call in whatever mm-hmm. and have them take this precious you know, container for the spirit that you loved away from you right away. It's okay to take time. You can honor them by taking care of that, changing the body into the clothes that you, that they might have loved to be in or washing them or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like I I have to say that until you said that, I don't know that I would have even thought about it. There Mm -hmm. are times where you can't, where it is an emergency situation. You have to call, um, you have to call the authorities. Mm-hmm. But if there's an expected death at home, you mm-hmm. can have all yeah, of the paperwork right. in place and have that um, in yeah. mind that you can keep mm-hmm. the person at home yeah. until you're ready. And most mm-hmm. people are ready well before, you know, the cutoff would be if mm-hmm. there was a law surrounding that. Sure. You know, people mm-hmm. feel ready mm-hmm. inside, yeah, yeah. you know before anyone would be coming in and saying, you know, your loved one needs to be moved. So how do you interact with the palliative care community? Well, a lot of times funeral directors aren't welcomed in because everything that we do is seen as trying to gain business. Mm. So we really are only interacting at the times, a lot of times, when when somebody has passed away. So it's just a respect point, you know, when they call and let us know, 
if there's any questions about the person staying there, we find out what mm. what is okay with mm. with the, with the facility. And mm. if we're telling families that as well, we're also saying to check with the place where your loved one will be because they have their yeah. own yeah. their own rules. But you know, we we do with as much as we can to meet everybody's needs yeah you know the families and the well you've got pretty strong connections with people who do work directly with palliative care patients so maybe that's where that strength of connection is there that the path of communication is open without you needing to be there without it being misunderstood or misinterpreted or feeling even even you know never mind misinterpreted yeah so for anybody who is um, uh, listening that d- perhaps missed the beginning of our program, we're speaking with Randy Ray. She is the funeral director at Koru Cremation. Um, a very a different kind of funeral director and also a different approach to, um, we could call it the deathy business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really curious to know how you educated yourself about this. Because there's, I mean, all the questions that people come to you with, I mean, I imagine every once in a while there's one that you don't have the answer to, but but you you had to educate yourself in order to be able to educate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you find out about these, all of these different aspects of, of death and dying? Well, I don't think I'm someone that naturally listens to my intuition. I've had to kind of force myself mm-hmm. to do that. And in doing that, I feel very authentic when I say to people to listen to your intuition or your gut feeling surrounding things. Mm -hmm. And some of it has even been going into a situation where there is a home death and not having been in that exact situation and having to just adapt, that I know that people can get to where they need to be just by following through this, you know, where their own spirit leads them and sometimes people think maybe they would want to be a part of dressing their loved one or having a viewing and then they decide not to well that's completely fine too it's just allowing yourself to get to that point of knowing that you have the option if you feel like something is important so I've had to just force myself to do some things Um, and one thing I did was go to a end-of-life doula training course and what an interesting juxtaposition of terms right doula which is often associated with birth yes and and putting it together with end of life Mm -hmm. the transitioning of yeah it's sort of it feels like it's honoring that if we honor the way people come into the world Mm -hmm. that we should be equally honoring of how people go out of the world yeah and honoring that even if you don't know exactly what it's going to look like, that you can follow what you feel at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you become a parent, you don't know what's going to happen with your children or what you'll feel like or what they'll respond to. No. But you just do it because you have this baby. Well, when the time comes and somebody's life Leaving. is ending, yeah. Yeah. if you can be there with an open mind and just knowing that they're going to feel certain things that you'll have mm-hmm. to adapt to and you will and just kind of meshing into it rather than trying to do things a Well, we used way. to have so many rituals around this, mm-hmm. right? And I think rituals hold us through a process 
that we're not familiar with that feels big. We do it around weddings and we do it around births and, and we used to do it around funerals. Some and some um, spiritual traditions they still do. They have yes. a very um, a very robust set of rituals around the death and dying process. But we're so secularized in many ways now that that one of the things that we've sacrificed with that spiritual practice is all of those sort of guidance mechanisms around what do we do when when we go t- through these yes. major life passages. Um, and so that means that we, we got to find another thing to rely on as we're going through one that's huge. And I see people reinventing how they're getting married um, and also how they're birthing. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that we're also um, reinventing how we process leaving. Because um, yeah. I do see it across the board. I've just come from a wedding, which was done very intentionally. It was the mer- the melding of two families with two sets of children, and you know, a whole complicated set of you know how many grandparents come with this, and people coming from all across North America, and that that whole process. So, um, how are you seeing this happen now with? with the death and dying process? I think there were communities that were already doing a lot of this within their communities, but doing it themselves. And now um, I'm maybe getting in touch with those people because they see that there's a funeral home that will mesh with what they (laughs) already want and Mm -hmm. we're doing. I I think some of it is education and letting people know that there aren't laws around a lot of things that people assume there are. Yeah, that's interesting. And just like green burials. Could you yeah. could you give some examples of that? Like I'm curious well, to know. Well, people often say, you know, how long can I keep the person at home if they pass away at home? Mm-hmm. There isn't a law that says three days. Um, if people start keeping doing that for longer periods of time, likely something will happen that's reactionary. Especially in the heat of the summer or... Yeah. Yeah. But common sense often rules those things too. Yeah. And a lot of spiritual and cultural and religious traditions are three days Mm. that things happen in. And that's a reasonable amount of time if you take proper care. So... Mm. People assume there's laws around that, around um, cremated remains and where they can they be can scattered. be placed. Mm-hmm. And Consumer Protection of British Columbia is the regulating body for funeral homes and funeral directors, and they actually have a lot on their website. Even they have one blog post that's, "Can I have a green burial it, graveyard in my backyard?" Mm-hmm. And they answer that question. And there are the same ones there about cremated remains and other mm-hmm. and other questions, and that's a good resource because you're going right to the regulating body. But for that's the not a place I would automatically think no, to go looking no, for. No, they it, may right? not be first. Could if you, you say Google what was that again? Consumer Protection of British Columbia. Okay, so I'm going to find a link for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, Rebecca is busy um, tweeting out uh, links and and comments and. Uh, capturing sound bites, etc., <laughs> um, on our Twitter account, which is Essential Conv, which is Essence T I A L C O N V. So, if you'd like to follow along with us and um, pick up some of these links, then uh, just go over to Twitter and and look for us there. 
We've got two songs that you've requested for today, and I feel like we should plunk in with one of these right now. Which one would you like to listen to first? Um, let's do One Tin Soldier. Okay. And would you like to tell us before we listen to it or after why you chose this song? This song always made me cry, even as a kid. And every time I analyze why it made me cry, it's different. Hmm. So I just think it's a it good It just goes one. to the, goes to the <laughs> deep places. I feel it. <laughs> All right. We will join you in feeling it. So we'll <laughs> listen to One Tin, One Tin Soldier, and it says the original cast. Um, and we will rejoin Wendy Ray here in the studio in just a few minutes. Soldier rides away. 
We are here with Wendy Ray of Coru Cremation, the funeral director, and we just listened to One Tin Soldier by the original cast, a song that has meant many deep things to her at many different times of her life. Thank you for sharing that with us. It was good. I haven't heard that in a really long time. Oh, yeah, I love I love the random stuff that people bring on to air. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So we're talking with Wendy about about her work and the nature of her work and how does she connect with this and what does she learn and um, what does she see that families experience and what do they go through and um, I have to ask a question that I'm sure is one of those things that pops into a lot of people's brains and it may be one of those questions that you get asked a lot but we're going to go there anyways because if you don't go there it's it's ignoring the fact that we think these things so here it is you're dealing with death and I have the understanding from, you know, stories that I read or things that come up in pop culture that anybody who works around death sees weird stuff. Oh. Has that been your experience? Weird stuff and Weird way. stuff. Well, that, and that can mean anything. Mm-hmm. So that could mean anything where it's like maybe uh, unexplained n- noises or movements or spiritual experiences or anything like that. Is that been some, has that actually been your in no, your realm? But I I think those are parts where I could probably stand to be a little more in tune. And I think more what it does for me is tries to make it I feel like I really try to live deeply. Which sounds kind of cliche, but more than, you know, seeing things that are outside of what a lot of people see, I feel like maybe I stop and notice things. Mm. Like I actually do notice a lot of what's going on compared to what I think I did before I started being a funeral director. Just in... I hear a mindfulness in that. Yeah. You're engaging mm-hmm. in your life mindfully. And yes. everywhere you go. Was there something that happened for you that, that made... That, that brought about that shift? Just pushing myself to try to be more open is what what does that for me when it's not natural I have to push myself. So has that to. been a continuous kind of reminder for you throughout your life or, or did you kind of hit a certain point in your life where that came more to the forefront? When I started my own business which is Koru. I worked as a funeral director before before that, and my, my business partner was already running uh, Vancouver location of Koru, and, and I opened in, in North Vancouver. I just, I wanted everything to be true and real and meaningful, so everything that feels like I could go deeper into, I really try to. I try to be myself and not censor what I'm saying, even if it might be unconventional. Mm-hmm. I don't dress typically like a funeral director, so just <laughs> although you're all dressed in I black guess, today, I guess. But I have <laughs> red, <laughs> I have red <laughs> shoes, <laughs> though. <laughs> there has to be one that's, little thing in that's there, on right? Purpose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, in those opening up ways, I have to push myself, but I'm open to do that, and I think I have to in order to be able to say to families, "Yes, go there." Mm-hmm. I have to be willing to go there. So, what I'm hearing there is that. 
you may not have had personal experience of something, but that you have an awareness that other people may be perceiving or experiencing things other than you, or their framework may be such that, like their paradigm of mm -hmm. life or their um, belief system may be other than yours, and that you want to be able to honor whatever their experience or their truth is, and so even if it's not necessarily directly what you experience, mm -hmm. that you want to create safe space for that. Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, ha I mean, I, I've had some neat experiences where, you know, my great aunt Lillian, her funeral was in her living room mm -hmm. on Wolf Island, Ontario, a small community, and I was about 10, I think, and we just went in, and I remember just saying, everybody, are you okay? Are you okay? But myself crying, and mm -hmm. but it, it felt welcoming, and, and I remember my grandmother's funeral being looked after really well by the funeral home. It was a big funeral home, but, you know, I had great experience there with being looked after, so I think I knew what could be could be maybe mm -hmm. from different. Well, you said that you you've always wanted to be of service mm -hmm. in in a a deep way. Yeah, I imagine that this is an e a constantly evolving concept. Um, how have you noticed it change since you stepped into being a funeral director? Overall, or with myself? Well, with yourself, in terms of your sense of being of service, like mm -hmm. is it? Is it, how are you seeing it evolve as you've been in this for, for longer? Well, the big way that it has evolved is by my working for myself. I can do most things that people want. So as long as it's legal, I'll do so it. So you have a freedom I that I have way. that freedom. And, and a willingness I, to go there. Yes. And meeting, you know, if somebody needs to meet at 8 o'clock at night, that's completely fine. Mm -hmm. I do whatever, whatever mm -hmm. works. So. Mm -hmm. So this, this concept of service for you, how is that deepening and ripening for you as you move on in your life and, and move on with um, being a funeral director in your own business? What, what are you noticing is, ch is changing? Or is there anything? I'm making a giant assumption there that something might be changing. Well, I think there is a shift, but it's slow, and I see some of the shift mm -hmm. as being more of a subculture rather than an overall cultural change. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can get caught up in the groups of people who want, you know, t death to be talked about or, mm -hmm. you know, death positive hashtags on social media. Death is not necessarily positive, but by bringing the conversation out and having more people talk about it I think it just eventually trickles over but mm. where the point will be that just more people naturally feel that they can look after their own dead at home without questioning anything I don't know where or when that mm -hmm. is going to happen because it's almost going back to our roots and that's what people have trouble trusting mm -hmm. their roots and ancestry and mm -hmm. I've always thought about about death as a as a transition as a huge and it's the transition into the unknown i mean birth in a way is a is a birth out of the unknown yeah. death is the is the transition into the unknown 
and we don't do very well with the unknown as a as the human race yeah. and, and I think that's where why we develop the rituals and the um, the mythology and it's they're all ways of helping ourselves to cope with that that which we do not know mm-hmm. so the great mysteries of life are they they add depth and texture to our world but they can also be terrifying yeah and especially when people feel that they haven't lived up to that point you know like if you think back to how things were talked about with death you know in mythology it was like a journey to your death this hero's journey well, yeah, yeah. of you know what have you accomplished and are people living life in that same way when we're in the doldrums of you know traffic and I don't or any kind of change yeah right like big changes or little changes um i just wanted to say that we're talking to wendy ray um, on on essential conversations um, with your host Rebecca Mears and and me Luca Halex. Um, so w- if you're just joining us, um, we're talking all about um, death and dying and and how we move um, through that change process in our lives. And and it's absolutely guaranteed that we're all going to have to deal with it mm-hmm. um, unless you uh, die suddenly and and you're gone <laughs> and then everybody else in your world has to deal yeah. with it. But <laughs> Um, it's um, oh, I mean, we're in a way we're creating a little pocket of something which does not happen very often here on the show today because we are talking about it and and talking about it openly and freely and um, mm-hmm. which which very few people I think feel that they have permission to do or or a model for how to do in in their world. Yeah. Um, you may talk about it, you may think about it for yourself, but you may not feel that you have permission to talk about it with anybody else in your life. Um, it's like there's this concept that by talking about death, we're somehow not in the livingness of living our life right now. Right. That we're yeah. calling it to us or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot of superstition about yeah. it because it's, it's one of those yeah. unknown things, right? Mm-hmm. So, Which is interesting. We have sayings we, and euphemisms and all kinds of stuff around it. We may consider ourselves to be quite secular or quite uh, rooted in our uh, whatever our religious framework might be which usually holds the concept of death pretty deliberately but we may still exhibit some of that superstition around some of this stuff almost like a visceral way Mm -hmm. that we're not even aware of until we notice that we're avoiding something or we're doing things that we sort of heard somewhere or heard our great grandmother say somewhere (laughs) it's like oh you know knock on wood kind of thing you know it's like yeah well we're dealing with cross-generational stuff as well right so you 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 know you may not have a feeling about it but but um you know your parents generation Mm. your aunts and uncles and their cousins and like they may have something to say about this and people want to honor um, all the different members of the family, very much like in a wedding. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? trying to meet everyone's How needs. How to try to meet everybody's needs without exactly knowing what everybody's needs are because you can't have the conversation about it or you might feel mm-hmm. you can't have the conversation mm-hmm. about it or these people may be in far-flung parts of the country where it's hard to sit them all down together at once. It's it's fraught, right? Well, we just, um, with two colleagues, we just did this experimental dinner called death over dinner there's actually a website where you can i will find it follow um (laughs) the steps of how to how to do this and the idea is to get people together to talk about death well 
eating a wonderful meal. And so we invited people that weren't necessarily already in this. So people who weren't coming to death cafes and things already mm-hmm. to get the conversation going with different people. And it was amazing. A lot of us didn't know each other before we went in and we followed their template of listen to one um, one segment about death, read a segment about death and watch a segment about death. And then we brought them into the conversation and it was just everybody left just saying, wow. What's well, a very wow. values based conversation, <laughs> right? Because we have a lot of our values come up mm-hmm. around this topic yeah and how deep things are held about it that you didn't even realize and you're around talking and i've always thought that really when we talk about death we're talking about life Mm um you know paradoxically that that really um what we decide to do about death is about how we who are living cope with it because the dead are dead. Yes. So um, they so they may deal with it while they're alive, but they're mm-hmm. still dealing with how are they living it before they die. Yeah. So a conversation about death is in many ways about living. Um, yeah. And because it's so vulnerable yeah. to go there, yeah, yeah, you almost have an instant connection. Yes. yes. So yeah. it's meaningful. You know, That's very we true. Because we talked yeah. for two yeah. hours yeah. about these things. We felt like we really knew each other when we didn't before. Yeah. So you said you did one. Yes. I sent a, a tweet out with a link to that. And I, I, what I liked about that front page for it, too, is it said, let, you know, let's um, click here to have to go through the next steps of running a test dinner, which is not, you don't ever actually have to follow through with doing the real thing, but there's mm-hmm. like, there's that invitation of, of just try this out, just dip your toe in mm-hmm. and see what's in here. And I think we do have curiosity and we do have yes. things mm-hmm. that we do care about when we choose to put our thoughts there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's more about how can I find a safe space or safe zone with, with the people I love in which to to say some of these things. I know I've just Even kind of, to introduce the concept, yeah, right? I think I've probably blurted out in passing to my kids or to my partner, you know, oh, I want to be cremated. Right? Just because, you know, and like <laughs> because it's like, it's not like we talk ab- about that, but something came on the radio where some song was about this and it or say, said just something. So you know. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's sort of like the organ donor thing. Yeah. Just so you know, you know. But there could be so much more conversation around it if it somehow didn't carry that weight of, of I'm yeah I'm calling something bad to me or I'm making people feel the the sadness now when we're still in the livingness and let's I'm make, totally making up words here but I think you know what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> as we do yeah I have a question for you you wanted to ask something more about the no well I was just going to say is there another dinner in the works yeah well it's actually a very easy formula to follow so. The Anybody website could is do the it. place to okay. go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we did a cascading invitation where you invite one person and then they invite one person mm. so that we oh, hopefully that, never heard know of that people. Before. That's brilliant. And it was a really oh. neat thing in that mm-hmm. way, too, because most people were strangers. Yeah. So I haven't heard of that. That's quite interesting. Cascading invitation. Yeah. There's yeah. a yeah. Like it, it, is it It's September? like having a phone tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's September 13th is the Vancouver Community Meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be a neat thing for people to do 
for that as well. Mm-hmm. There's there was a is it the Vancouver Foundation? I'm not 100 percent mm-hmm. sure, but it's a putting out to have community meals and a set date. To oh, just to promote find. this concept of, of having, having community meals. together and yeah. over a conversation. Yeah. So, you so that's one topic you could have yes. a conversation yes. over. And right? you already have the yeah. template. And you have mm-hmm. a template for it. That is so brilliant. I had a friend who, who initiated uh, a, a dinner and a talk that it was on wills. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because it was sort of it was on an aspect of it, but we didn't talk about death. We, it, except mm-hmm. for the tangential of this can happen anytime. Are you considering what your loved ones will need to take care of for you? Um, and so it was kind of focusing on that, which was still mm-hmm. important because nobody really wants to think about mm-hmm. it. But it was it, it was one piece of this puzzle. And for some reason, people find that part easier to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's very practical. The practical yes. of, you know, just yes. write this, just get it yeah. done. Whereas actually, like, what, what do we want to happen with the body? Mm-hmm. What Are there any rituals? You know, it, it feels to me that it's at these times of life, especially around death, maybe not so much, say, weddings, or maybe even not even births, but death, really. Even if we have divested ourselves of religious practices, we don't espouse any certain belief system, these things come right out of the of the woodwork of our subconscious and they exert themselves. <laughs> yes. Where it's like we we suddenly need need to to have that ceremony or to have those prayers. Or it's something like even if we witnessed it somewhere else before, there's something that is becomes vastly important about mm-hmm. going back to that container. Mm-hmm. The predictability, the maybe even the safety, the this has been done for generations. This when we're in the middle of something that we know not what it is, yeah. right? Are you aware of, and do you maybe have connection to secular services, secular rituals? Not specifically, but we talk to families about different things that other people have done right so mm-hmm. when we're starting to talk we give ideas and sometimes then people will give us thoughts about what they've done i'm sort of imagining a scrapbook of, the, of ideas yeah, like this one woman had a blessing way for her mom before her mom died mm-hmm. and had her friends come in and um I believe they brought fabric or yarn and tied together and became a big circle. And wow. I've seen, bl- mm-hmm. I've heard of blessing ways for babies where right. you bring a bead and yes. then everybody has mm-hmm. a necklace. But you yeah. could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And she just did it. And then she told me about daft. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I have to tell people. So that's by hearing the ideas from other people too. A lot, most mm-hmm. of the ideas that I have are not from personal experience they're from learning from other people or hearing what they did and then just sharing them well i'm thinking as you talk about this that there's a there's a community of people who could all be uh sharing and supporting one another professionally around this like Mm -hmm. celebrants and uh, people who specialize in ritual and shaman and um, you know, there there are there are all different aspects mm-hmm. of this process well, we have where everybody handles a different piece of it. Right? Yeah. So we have a group called Community Death Care Vancouver, and our next meeting is on Tuesday, the seventh, at Vancouver Co-housing at seven at night, and it's a social. Okay. 
just to get to know each other and we say heart-centered networking so when you're getting to know people on a deeper level you feel okay um, letting other people know about their services and just knowing what other people are doing too Mm -hmm. and there really isn't competition because Mm -hmm. people are doing things so differently that even if you're in the same profession let's say two funeral directors Everyone is just that little bit different that there's the right fit for people and we can refer. So that's that's something that's that's going on. We're trying to get to regular meeting times, but we we have this one coming up. I'm finding a link to your meetup um, uh, oh. event. I've got it. I've oh, already okay. found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm on it. Phew. I got <laughs> wow. it. I got you covered. So for that next one, um, one that Kat has has um, posted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because one of our previous guests that we've had on the show, Kat Webb, is she collaborates with you on, on mm-hmm. these community death care meetings, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And um, I love those overlaps of people that we've had on before. And that's actually how we met you. Yes. <laughs> Six degrees of separation. Yeah. So I'll send that out in a tweet so that people can can find that if they want to connect to it but i think it's wonderful to talk to just these are all the things where it's like oh this is available this is available this is available and things that you don't even know you need or that wouldn't even know how to look for yeah or to even name until somebody (laughs) says this exists yeah and so yay is there anything else like that that you'd like to tell people about? Because um, we're starting to get closer to the end of the program. I want to make sure that you... There's a really neat group, um, two neat ladies, Michelle and Rena, who have Willow End of Life. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's willoweol.com, and they do heart-centered planning for end of life. So love letters, which would be read to family after... Um, afterwards, wow. that makes me sigh just hearing about it. And they're having a retreat in Mexico around wow. the. Um, what was their name again? Uh, Willow, E O L dot com. So, okay. and, so Willow End of Life, mm-hmm. and they have free workshops at Mountain View Cemetery that that people can go to, and it's just a different level of end of life planning. And there's also um, Patient Pathways is another neat um, group of people who are healthcare advocates and navigators. Mm-hmm. And what great terms for I this, know. you know? I know. And they came and spoke to community death care. So we're trying to, you know, we're trying to all get to know each other so that we can work together in, in different one? ways. Oops, turn on my mic. Can you say the last one again? Patient Pathways, and it's .ca. Okay. This is it. It's it all sounds constructive and, um, as you said, heart centered mm-hmm. and uh, collaborative. Yeah, and people are already doing a lot of things individually. So then getting together so that we're not doing the same thing again. And I'm it's a great advocate created. for doing this ahead of time, like beginning to think along these lines when nobody's sick mm-hmm. and you know nobody's been injured yet, and and so that so that we've got a framework that we begin to find language for this, we begin to navigate the territory ahead of when we need to be there so that we're not in grief and um, shock when we're trying to get into new territory all Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know? And they do all of the planning of health um, advanced directives, helping with that. Yeah, even knowing what they are. Yes. 
Because a lot of us just don't have this language. No, and how right? many things need to be done, what exactly, mm. where to keep them, who to tell them about. Mm. So cool. let's let people know how they could get in touch with you if they are like, you know, Wendy sounds like somebody I need to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> well, the name of the business is Koru Cremation Burial Ceremony, and our website is korucremation.com. My email is Wendy at korucremation.com. You can email me, and I'm always happy to, to talk to people, and it's also great to hear what people are, are already doing where we might be able to collaborate or just letting them know what's, what they may be able to come to or what we might like to join. So you're with. interested in hearing about potential collaborators oh, yeah. out there and yeah. anybody who's doing anything new. Or people or that I can refer to. or yeah. just yeah. It's all yeah. exciting. <laughs> Yeah, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. This has just been really delightful. Thank you. Yeah. And the beginning of, you know, all kinds of potential in conversation, <laughs> sure. which is yeah. what we often find when we have guests on the show. So, and you know, our, our usual, our, our sign-off, it feels, it feels especially poignant today. Yes, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Happy, 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 happ